This podcast is part of the No Phony Podcast Network, the home of independent awesomeness. Were you more likely to be abducted by aliens in the 1980s than any other decade? Connect your umbrella to that speak and smell and let's find out. Once again, it's time for the idiots. An objective defense of the 80s. From a couple of idiots. Got this covered. All right. Hey, welcome back to another episode of the idiots. An objective defense of 1980s pop culture from a couple of visitors from another decade. My name is Will, and joining me as always is my friend and my co-host, Ray. How are you doing, Ray? I did not alien probe that woman. (laughs) All right, now you're mashing up a 90s reference and a 80s phenomenon, I guess, right? Yeah. And you busted out on a day that we're going to have a very respectable guest today. Very good. I knew this was coming. I'm going to apologize to you if you're listening already, Jerry. Um, hey, today on the show, we're going to be talking about UFO phenomenon in the 1980s, including the pop culture surrounding it, of course. And a little bit later, we're going to be speaking to a genuine, serious, this guy's not a wacko, this guy's a serious scientist, a ufologist, Mr. Jerome Clark. But before we do any of that, please like and subscribe, mm-hmm. rate, review. And get a magnet from the for oh, the back of your car you're just, from T Public. You're just pitching stuff. Are they going to say enroll up a note and tie it to a leg of a pigeon? Oh, that's a good one. And that is a great one. Or put it in a bottle and throw it in the ocean. Mm-hmm. Spreading the word about the idiots so other folks can find out about the show as well. Stop hogging it, you idiots hogs. <laughs> Let's get caught up on eighties news. Hey, it's like we just did this yesterday. Seems like it, doesn't it? And even though it seems that way, there's still more 80s news within 24 hours. Holy cow. The internet is all abuzz with the arrival of the official trailer for the latest adaptation of Frank Herbert's 1960 novel, Dune. Uh, Have you watched the new trailer for Dune? I did. It sucks. (laughs) And that was Ray's Reviews. I have to have a little thing for it. Ray's Reviews. (laughs) Ray's three-second reviews. Uh, I'm not impressed. Just, it looks like garbage. Now, I know we talked about it before. Are you a fan of the 80s adaptation? I am not. Yeah, me neither. I think it's, I think it's boring. All right. You and I, I think, I, look, I don't know anybody else who would admit that. You and I are brave enough to say that. Yeah, well, most people, I think, will come out of the woodwork now and say, yeah, they're on board. It's boring. Hmm. I think this one's going to be boring. I'm giving it the two thumbs down. <laughs> Wait, the new one versus on the tra- based on the trailer? Or the I'm giving old them one? both. Yeah, okay. All of them. And future ones... They're all going to be garbage. It's a bad story. It's stupid. Well, I think in its defense, well, I think one of the criticisms I should say of the early 80s one was that, you know, you tried to, like most times, you try to squeeze a novel into a two-hour film, it's going to suffer. This book's always better. Most oftentimes, there's a few exceptions to that. I think in their defense, I think they're going to try to take a little more time, and the plan is to have a few films that tell the story. I don't know that's true. I I, I think I recall that. Well, they should Um, add some more laser fights. Yep. Um... (laughs) More of them big giant worm monsters. More sting. Yeah, put bring sting back. It, it, it just looks dumb. That one thing was impressive, though. They really did increase the size of those sandworms, right? The thing is like a kaiju. It looked like bad CGI to me. That's yeah. all I saw. Yeah, I'm not looking forward to it. I, the only thing I could tell you the last movie was about was Spice. So I'm guessing like a cooking show kind of thing, maybe. Yeah, that's the three things I know about Dune. Spice, giant worm, and sting. Oh, oh yeah. Now I think in a prior episode we said Spice... Sand and sting. Yeah, pretty much, man. That's the three things. That one could have gone away. I wouldn't mind it. Well, this one was this new movie is directed by Dennis Villeneuve. I'm sure I'm butchering some portion, some of the vowels in that name, but I do like it. Other films he did, he did Arrival, which is like a blow your mind movie. It's you're bored for ninety percent of it, and then the last ten minutes, ten percent, you're like, oh my god, are you kidding me? This yeah. guy's a genius. Yeah, once again, crap movie. Oh. All right, hated it. He also hated it. He also directed Blade. All right, don't filibuster. He also directed <laughs> Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Did you like that one? I don't remember. I didn't even see it. Oh, that actually is a good one too. I'll have to check it I out. I mean, if you like the first one, it's you know it's very slow. You know, neo neo noir. You know, uh, what do they call it? Like uh, now you're making excuses for it. <laughs> I'm justifying why it's boring. Yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> hey, if you're a fan, you'll like to see it. If you're not a fan, like us, skip it. 
All right. In other 80s news, and this will lift your spirit somewhat, don't know if you saw this, but we have Ryan Reynolds to thank. He did the thing that most folks haven't been able to do for the last 30 years, and that's get Rick Moranis back on screen. And that's cool. Yeah, so Rick Moranis appears in a new ad for Mint Mobile, which is a company that Ryan Reynolds owns, if you're wondering how, why that would have happened. And apparently, it's something that came together at the last minute, according to People Magazine. Ryan just reached out to Rick, you know, I guess they're probably their people did, or maybe he did directly. And it wasn't until like a few days or a week before they were going to shoot it that Rick got back and said, sure, I'll do that. Uh, it's a little bit of an odd kind of spot. And you know, he's underutilized in the ad, but the only thing I can say is I would love to get my hands on the pile of cash that they pushed to him <laughs> to be in this thing. Cause they mm-hmm. couldn't get him in ghostbusters, right? but they got him for this. Yeah. yeah. This has got to be like a, a $500 million deal. It's got to be like athlete yeah. quarterback, 10 year deal kind of thing. This is ridiculous. Life changing. Yeah. Yeah. Even for, Rick Moranis yeah. is life-changing money, whatever the amount was. I thought, you know, I thought the same thing, you know, of course, you know, you've somewhat incepted me with your, your sort of philosophies about the world. So yeah, the first thing I thought was sliding the money across the table. And I thought the same thing, the Ghostbusters folks had to be able to offer him a lot of money to come back. Hmm. But, uh, you know, maybe, maybe it was the Canadian connection. Well, no, Ivan Reitman is from Canada too. Yeah. I don't know. But Rick barely says anything in the ad. It's a little odd to see him not say a whole lot and see him at, you know, his, a different time in his life, obviously. When I binge, you know, so many films that he ha- he's in, I watched Parenthood like two weeks ago, and he's so much younger. So it's like seeing, you know, someone sort of time travel in a, in a moment when they just sort of age, you know, for 30 well, years before you. That's like watching movies with your kid. Yeah. You watch like Ghostbusters with them. Yeah. And then you watch something with Bill Murray in it now. Yeah. And like, who's that old dude? Yeah. Like, Bill Murray. I'm like, no, it ain't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who's that old guy? Stan Aykroyd. No, he don't look like that. Yeah. Oh, you're right. And, you know, I think it started to give my child, my younger daughter, some comfort. Maybe I did this with my older daughter, too. She's much older now. But seeing films so that they understood movies weren't real when we were watching a movie that might, you know, mm. troubling. To point out that someone's an actor, we would say, oh, they're also in that thing. And they oh, right. Now I, Dude, okay. I love to go. Well, that could happen. <laughs> you do the opposite. <laughs> Why I do the complete opposite? That could totally happen. I'm trying to think of a movie that I know you show you. Brody was watching recently <laughs> that you were like. Even you were like, you shouldn't be watching this. any anything with aliens yes. or zombies. I'm like that could totally happen. Mm, kids could up. happen tomorrow. And then you wonder why it's hard to get him to sleep. Well, he actually wants to be a survivalist now. Oh. <laughs> what he's going to be a prepper? <laughs> he's going to yeah. be loading. Well, no, a he wants. To, with- yeah, no, he wants to live out in the woods oh. and be a. Uh, Self-sufficient. I am not surprised. I could see him doing that and doing that well. I told him I put a hamburger out there with, and throw a net over his f-ing ass and bring him back to civilization. <laughs> He's only going to get craftier as a result. <laughs> You're getting a job, boy. Get back over here. Next up, next time he goes out, he's going to be sharpening a rock so he cut that net. Yeah, I might get hurt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So he winds up in that net after all. What were we talking about? Oh, Rick Moranis. Yeah. Rick Moranis. Yeah, before we move on, I wanted to mention, yeah. So what I do with my kids, though, this idea of pointing out actors, and it usually breaks their heart, I think, is pointing out, like you say, and and it goes in reverse. So my daughter was watching some movie uh, from the 2000s. I don't remember what it was, but it had Helen Hunt in it. And, um, oh, it's a movie about the uh, the, the surfboard uh, surfboarder who got her leg bitten off, I think, by a shark, or arm bitten off. You uh, mean the arm? Yeah, yeah, uh, I can't remember. Yeah I, know what you're, yeah, I know what you're talking about. But anyway, Helen Hunt plays her mom. And so, like, within a 48 hours or so, my wife and my younger daughter are watching uh, Girls Just Want to Have Fun with Sarah Jessica Parker and Helen Hunt. And my wife says, look, that's mm-hmm. Helen Hunt. <gasps> Mind blown. You know, you just see, like, falling apart like that. And I think in their minds, it must be like, oh, my God, that could happen to me. I look youthful like Helen Hunt now. <laughs> You're saying I might look old one day? Oh, because they watch us age very slowly, you know, from their perspective. But yeah, that that comes down to the Harrison Ford factor. Oh yeah, it's the same thing. He, my son, knows Harrison Ford is Han Solo, uh-huh. and he's like, "Who's the old dude playing Han Solo? <laughs> Who's playing his dad now?" And I'm like, "That's Han Solo. Shut up. <laughs> Mind your manners." And your son looks at you and says, "That could happen." Ah, uh, yeah. And then he scares you, and that's why you don't sleep at night. <laughs> All right. Hey, in other 80s news, you know, this is uh, maybe we could file this under the folder of, duh, 
That's an 80s thing, duh, right, isn't it? Totally. Or doy. Maybe, is doy, is doy or duh more 80s? Uh, I think duh. I think we had them both. Anyway, so in Esquire magazine, the headline reads, Cobra Kai has set the stage for Elizabeth Shue's return to the Karate Kid-verse. Duh. I'm super pumped for that. So they point out things that we've already spotted because we've watched the show. I think what's happening now is because it's on Netflix, so many more people are finding it, which is great. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, you know, Esquire just found it too. That's a little surprising. (laughs) But anyway, they're pointing out that uh, season three is to come out uh, sometime in 2021. Uh, it's likely that we're going to see Elizabeth Shue's character return. Of course, they point out that uh, Johnny's ex-girlfriend uh, and Daniel's ex-girlfriend, what am I saying? Ooh. Yeah. Uh, that she is now uh, a pediatric surgeon, and she's married to an oncologist. And and she uh, and she works with superheroes. And she works, oh, yeah, oh, that'd be a crossover, wouldn't it? Well, then she wouldn't be coming back. Spoiler for the boys. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, uh, if you've seen the boys, she's hot. Yep. And she's now available to do other shows. So well, everybody get on it. Wait, do you mean hot as in she's still attractive? Yeah. Okay. Because I was going to say, at the, and here's a spoiler for you. The last episode of The Boys, <laughs> she's like super hot. Yes. Like really hot. You're going to be so happy you watch that. Like she's melting. She's so hot. So yeah. So of course we we picked up on these, the existence of Allie in the, in the universe. Uh, and so some theories say that... Um, include her return might be that she comes back to help Miguel, who we know is, uh, we don't know what's wrong with him, but um, it seems like he may have some sort of paralysis. He certainly has a serious injury, a serious, I mean, a terribly violent fall uh, yeah. at the end of uh, Cobra Kai season two. Spoiler for season two of Cobra Kai. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we don't care. Spoiler alert. Yeah, Here we talk. go. Well, yeah, pause. Oh yeah, I get, we didn't announce it. Um, or she may just come back because Johnny accidentally Facebook friended her. And then she tried to, to call him, I think, at the end of the one thing. Because you remember he chucked his phone? I think it says friend request accepted yeah. or something like right, that. Right, because he got all angry at that technology yeah. and threw it at the ocean. Yeah. But his little arm couldn't throw it far enough and it landed on the beach. Yeah, so it'll be interesting if she does come back. Right now she's married, but, you know, it could add to an interesting tension if she comes back and she's available. Mm-hmm. And Johnny's able to court Allie and Daniel, who's married who, you know, probably still thinks fondly of her because she dumped him. Uh, mm-hmm. But he's married, so oh, I don't know. Interesting triangle there. I think it's going to be awesome. I'm yeah. looking forward to this this season. You know, there's so many times, uh, this is, you know, because we've been friends for years now, There's I don't know if this happens to you, but there's so many times uh, I think about you that you don't know about. That's creepy, dude. <laughs> And wait, you had, a, you had a dream with me driving like a Nazi car or something? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, that like, there's so many times I see a show and it's, where I think, yeah, that's what how Ray would be. <laughs> yeah, you do do. Like, there's so many Johnny moments. You do. You call me a lot and go, dude. I was watching uh, Bruce yeah. Campbell. I say yeah, <laughs> and he <laughs> totally what, reminds me of you. Yeah, I'm like yep, that's how Ray would handle a, a zombie apocalypse. Uh, yeah, yep, yeah, same attitude. Yeah, Ray would chuck his phone into the ocean <laughs> if he was mad at technology. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what was the other one recently? Oh, I'm watching Future, Future Man. Man. There's so many times Wolf does something, and I'm like, yeah, if Ray was lived in a post-apocalyptic future, that's probably how <laughs> yeah. he would. Yeah, he's he's my favorite character on that show. That would have the Wolf. Effect. Yeah. Oh yeah, he's awesome. All right, so hey, we look forward to season three of Cobra Kai. Whenever it lands, please announce the date when it's coming out so we can plan appropriately. All right, hey, that was 80s news. Dun, 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 dun. Uh-huh. Hey, today on the show, we're going to be talking about UFO phenomenon in the 1980s, including the pop culture surrounding it. And, <laughs> well, yeah, I was going to ask you, um, when you were a kid, were you ever scared that you were going to be abducted by aliens? Or yeah. were you more scared you okay. would be abducted by a stranger? Aliens. Definitely aliens. Yep. Wait, same for you? Same for me. Oh, yeah. Wow. It's so funny because my parents, you know, I think I told you this story before, maybe even on the show. My parents warned me about getting abducted from strangers. That was a big thing in the 80s. Yeah. And my uncle played that joke where he pretended to abduct me and my neighbors were <laughs> my neighbors were horrified because I went along with it. Yeah. They're like, no. I swear my neighbor, neighbor ran up. She was like trying to pull me from my uncle's arms. No, you can't have him. Please help. Oh, that was a terrible day yeah, for her. That's, that's funny. That's 80s us. humor right there. Yeah. Hey, uh, let's pretend I'm going to abduct you and scare your well, neighbors. The thing about it is he didn't even say it. He just pulled up in front of my house <laughs> and said, hey, little kid, you want some candy? And I was like, candy? I love candy. <laughs> and I started getting into his car. <laughs> no. Oh. Uh, 
He could have got shot today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's you're right. Um, but they never warned me about getting abducted by aliens. But our mm-hmm. our pop culture seemed to do that. The first impact any of this sort of pop culture had on me was Close Encounters, which is you know seventy seven. So it's not in the eighties, but it's certainly something that the, uh, us eighties kids have experienced. That terrified me. I saw it in the theater, so I must have been five or six years old. And a little three-year-old boy gets abducted. So um, yeah. you, know, you imagine immediately that could have been me. You know, it's the, the funny thing about that is is um, my brother was about three at the time. So I'm like, oh, that really sucks. He's going to get abducted. <laughs> and we're all going to be sad. <laughs> we're going to miss you. I can see the craft landing now in the forest. Did you <laughs> shove him forward? Get out there. <laughs> It's your turn. You put a candy bar on a string and lead it towards a, the UFO ship? Yep. I just take that candy bar I found on the bridge and hand it to him like, you had a good run, buddy. <laughs> but I looked at, you know, I was interested about, well, so since I was so scared of being abducted, we must have had a lot of abduction films in the 1980s. And so, you you know, there's tons of alien movies and some of them are B movies and, you know, there's a lot of A movies. So I have a list here of like a dozen, or not a dozen, like two dozen films and I categorized them based on whether they were abduction, uh, you know, story-oriented more around an abduction, or a visitor. Okay. And then further categorized them whether or not it was a good alien or a bad alien. Nice. Right? So so what's your research come up with? Only two of the films, I think, were abduction-related. Uh, hmm. Oh, 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 I included Close Encounters as, as a honorable mention for the 80s. So that one, and the only one from the 80s I, I, that I came across, again, as a f- film that you would be aware of, Flight of the Navigator, to me, as charming as wonderful it is, that's an abduction movie. But technically, isn't Last Starfighter an abduction movie? Wow. That's an interesting thought. Technically? Wow, you're right. You know, hmm. I left off Last Starfighter and some other films because they go to another planet. Yeah. Uh, I categorized those differently, and there weren't a whole lot of those. But you're right. They really didn't give that guy no choice. Huh. Alex was like, okay, I guess this is what's happening. Yeah. I got this hot piece of ass back on <laughs> Earth, but f- it, let's go save the universe. Because you're right. He didn't know if this uh, character that Robert <laughs> Preston was playing was being honest. <laughs> he didn't know what this guy was going to do to him. The dude locks him in a car, tells him he's the savior in the universe. It's on him if he's going to believe it, and he winds up getting probed. This is basically like your uncle pulling up and trying to abduct you. It's the same scenario, just with a different dude. Yeah, no neighbor tried to save him. No, those are shitty neighbors. <laughs> You're right. I didn't think about that. So there you go. All right. So that's all right. So let's say there's two firmly in the '80s, <laughs> although one. Wow, I just think of the movie differently now. I guess I'm glad it turned out well. <laughs> but well, you know, you know what they say: all's well that ends well. <laughs> <laughs> now they can make a whole other film. Like it, the story cut changes completely once he gets in the outer <laughs> space in that car. Uh, if you change the music, uh, oh my god, changes the movie. Whole other movie. But most of the films most of the films overwhelmingly were about visitors coming to our planet. And surprisingly to me, half of them, the aliens could be considered good, benevolent, and and half were, you know, evil, bad. So on the one end of the spectrum, you got your E.T., friendly extraterrestrial. On the other end of the spectrum, you got your, you know, Diana from V, who is a lizard person and eats rodents for snacks. (laughs) And is going to harvest the human race for food. Yeah. That's the aliens I expect to come. Yeah, me too. So, and that's why I, I think, so when you ask like that question about being abducted, I guess it was the pop culture that made us scared because our parents didn't say, you know, watch the skies. <laughs> I was never eating dinner. Yeah. <laughs> and my parents said, hey, boy, watch <laughs> out if you see a little gray dude with a, a shiny stick <laughs> coming towards you. <laughs> yes. Run like hell. That never, no, that conversation yeah. never came up. Yell out stranger danger. You're right. <laughs> you're, you're going out to play after dinner. Sun's coming down. Stark out. <laughs> yeah, you don't get that warning. <laughs> no, you never get, don't get in any strange spacecraft. <laughs> Say cut to Ray getting into a glowing vehicle. You said cars. <laughs> Gone. Gets picked up and brought away. Damn it. Do you recall in the 1980s ever observing or believing that you observed some, well, if it's a UFO, it's unidentified to you at least. So any experiences with uh, observing something you thought might have been an alien craft? or I, I'm sure we've all seen crap in the sky that yeah. we were sure was alien. Was it? Don't know, but. So you don't remember seeing anything and thinking, hmm, as a kid? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like I said, you see stuff in the, the night sky. Yeah. And whether it's a plane or yeah. satellite or whatever it is or a cloud. You just assume 
it's aliens. Yeah. Because we've, we grew up on that stuff. So, yeah. You know, yeah. Cause I'm sure like me, you watched a lot of 1950s uh, sci fi too. So, oh, yeah. You're just pre programmed to see crap that's not there. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. Before I was scared of being abducted from, you know, by, uh, Aliens in the 1980s, I was scared that we, you know, we'd have uh, aliens like uh, the 1950s uh, invasion of the Bobby's, Body Snatchers. Uh, I was just going to bring yeah. that up. You're you're looking at people and you're just trying to figure <laughs> out. Hmm. Can I ask them a question only they would know the answer to? Uh, right. But I, when I was a kid, I thought, and I, th- I think I've told this story before, and I still don't know if I just dreamed this. I had a dream, right? <laughs> I had to. I know I spotted a lot of stuff in the sky and thought, oh, maybe that's an alien. There was even a part of time... And this just shows you how maybe, uh, I want to say awful my upbringing was, that I had thought, maybe I am an alien, or please let me be an alien so I could get out of this place and the ship will come back and get me. Oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah, I thought, that's got to explain it, right? I don't belong here. Just come and get me. Um, Hmm. So I thought I observed a lot of things I thought, but it's probably my overactive imagination. Except, or, and including, this one time, I swear, in my bedroom, I heard some kind of sound, like a rumbling overhead, and I... Sound like a train going by and running to the window and seeing what seemed like a large object passing overhead. Again, man, could very well be a dream. Yeah, uh, man, I wish I would just go tell your dad this. Yeah, and then him come to you with your mom and uh-huh. be like, "Son, <laughs> we've got something to tell you. Yes, you're an alien. We found you in the woods, ah. and they're coming back for you soon." You know, and now, unlike when I was a kid, I'd be bummed out. Now I'd be more like, <laughs> I wanted to go when I was a kid. Now I've been here for so long. This is home. You're like, I got a job and a house and stuff yeah, I now. I got a mortgage. Who's going to pay that? Damn it, Dad. Couldn't call him sooner. And did I have to be the only alien who landed on Earth and doesn't have superpowers like Superman? And, and then he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, but your siblings, they're ours. Oh. Just not you. We found you in the woods. <laughs> that would explain a lot, though. That would explain a lot. All right, so you ready for some crazy talk? All right, yeah, please. All right, so I got this theory about aliens. Okay. I believe, and I'm not I'm not kidding. Yeah. I honestly believe that this planet is a vacation destination for aliens to mm. come to. Okay. And if you go back to history, okay? Yeah. For some reason, aliens love to come down and poke their little thing in different things. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> And I honestly believe uh-huh. this is why certain humans are so much smarter than the rest of us. Hmm. Like you take a, an, an Einstein uh-huh. or even a, a Bill Gates. Right. I think they have more alien DNA than the rest of us. Interesting. This is why they're able to create things like iPhones and cars and the internet. They're just, they got better genes. They got mm-hmm. alien DNA. Now, how, so when you say the vacation planet, so the aliens that came here, they, they're like humanoids, like humans, so they could mate with humans? Yeah. So yeah. there really was, there is an indi- indigenous human population. Right, right. Yes. The, the aliens are horrible, horrible things okay. that do horrible things on their vacations. Uh, but- oh, Like mate with humans, you mean? Yeah. So this is like the Las Vegas of uh, planets? Right. They come here to have fun, and then they go back to their planet, and they're like, dude, you should totally go to Earth. Mm. You can do whatever the hell you want there. What happens on Earth stays on Earth. (laughs) There's no extradition, no child support. (laughs) Right. There's nothing bad can happen to you, except for their technology advances a little bit. But hey, who cares, right? What are they going to invent? A a f***ing nuclear bomb? (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be years before they figure out how to make a spaceship. So I I honestly believe that certain people have more DNA from aliens than the rest of us. And that's why they're so much smarter than us. So, you know, because this it seems like science might be able to investigate your theory if you looked at DNA from a couple of different people. Right. And yeah. I think if you went back in the history of, let's say, pick who's a smart dude? Um, uh, What's his name? Uh, da Vinci. I think if you go back in his family tree, yeah. there's there's some person in his family tree who was either one, uh, a dude who got alien probed by an alien mm. or his his mother or whoever, his great, 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 great grandmother mm-hmm. got abducted and taken on the spaceship. I see. I think there's got to be a way uh, we can trace this back like through how, the generations. Yeah. I like how you say, well, if you go back in history, <laughs> you can see if his great, great, great mother was as if <laughs> abducted. Like I could just go down to the library. There's got to be records. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Wait a second. What is this on the birth certificate? Your father was bleep blorp. <laughs> Yeah. Hmm. But I, and I guess since Da Vinci had parents that we, we know about, I'm sure, in history, like you're saying, 
it couldn't be that Da Vinci himself was just an alien. Correct. Hmm. He he has alien DNA. Okay. Which over time, which is why no one in his family's done anything important since mm-hmm. the DNA has diminished over time. Yeah. Like apparently in the seventies. Yeah. Because the eighties were such a boom in technology again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Earth must have had like a discount for tickets or something. <laughs> yeah. So in the seventies, they must have been in sixties. They must have been coming here in droves. Like, dude. Mars is expensive right now. What do you want to do this spring? Mm. Eh, let's, let's go to Earth. You know, it's interesting you say that because one of the things I want to talk to Jerry later is that I was learning this from his book, The, the UFOs in the 1980s. It's an encyclopedia in a couple of different volumes. Um, that abductions increased in the 1980s, at least reportings of it. So consistent with what you're saying, yeah. Yeah, ticket prices went down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was uh, like it. It was like at Vegas; they comped the drinks or something. <laughs> yeah, as long as you're staying at the hotel. Uh, I can't wait till Earth has that. Well, a place to go when we can get on spaceships. Yeah, we can go on vacation to Mars or Uranus. <laughs> Uranus, you're not coming to my anything. <laughs> if you were, if you had a chance, so you're Alex Rogan mm-hmm. or you're Richard Dreyfuss's character at the end of Close Encounters. You have this opportunity, this invitation to go explore the stars, or you're the kid in Flight of the Navigator, or you're the explorers. Are you going to take it? Would you take it? If I'm Alex, yeah. I think I want to stay on Earth with uh, Catherine Mary Stewart. CMS? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think I'm staying on Earth with her. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think they got anything better to offer me than her. So, However, though, they do tell you that they're gonna, the, the aliens are coming to eventually blow up the Earth. Yeah, I don't care. She's hot. So you'll just have a happy life for as long as you can have it. Yeah, I'll live that one out. But the other okay. ones, I'll like, uh, yeah, I might go. Yeah. I think I'd want to know if I could come back. Like, is it a round trip we're talking? I guess I'd have to ask, what's the reception like on a podcast from <laughs> outer space? Like, right, oh gosh, we have so much trouble just <laughs> <laughs> talking when you're across the street. <laughs> 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 Could you imagine the problems we'd have if I was on Mars? <laughs> <laughs> That's one of the things I think at the end of Close Encounters. In the original f- film of, of Close Encounters, you don't see inside the ship. And then later on, Spielberg wanted to cut the film differently. And so the studio said, That's fine. If you include footage of him going inside the ship, then we'll give hmm. you the money to redo it how you want. So Spielberg did another version of it. And in that one, you get a few minutes of Richard Dreyfus in the spaceship. And you don't know what any of those things are. And I thought. <laughs> yeah. what's day one like? Yeah, if you had a picture of just him walking to the spaceship, that was me when you dropped off this equipment at my house and like, here. (laughs) That that is the image of me with this crap. Yes. Yeah. All right. Anything else? Um, No, that's like all the crazy I got for today. (laughs) All right. Well, hey, enough theorizing on our part. Let's speak to a legitimate loot ufologist when we return in just a moment with our guest, author and ufologist, Jerome Clark. Our guest today first became enthralled with UFO phenomenon as a young man and is now the preeminent expert on the subject. He has authored over a dozen books on the unusual, including Unexplained, Strange Sightings, Incredible Occurrences, and Puzzling Physical Phenomena, and UFOs in the 1980s. His UFO Encyclopedia, which thoroughly details the phenomenon throughout history, was recently revised, updated, and published in its third edition. Our guest has also undoubtedly lent credence, or clarity, to strange experiences when he appeared on programs that haunted your youth, like Unsolved Mysteries and Sightings. Friend to the late pioneering astronomer Dr. Alan Hynek, our guest is also a board member of the Heineck Center for UFO Studies. Please welcome to the show, author and ufologist, Jerome Clark. Hey, Jerry, it's so good to speak with you. Well, good to talk with you, too. I mentioned to you in our email exchange, uh, you know, I, I had uh, my experience as a, as a child in the 1980s was fearing, I'll, I'll probably, I won't be uh, so, you know, uh, 
great with my language as you are as far as making a distinction between UFOs and UFO phenomenon. And we'll talk about why that's a distinction there. But when I was a kid growing up with the pop culture we had in the 1980s, I was terrified of the possibility and existence of actual UFOs and visits and abductions. And, you know, I thought I needed to find an expert to talk about uh, who knows about uh, more about this certainly than we do. And uh, your name kept coming up. So I appreciate your time. Well, I hope I can help you. <laughs> well, you, you know worlds more than we do. I mean, you literally wrote the book on, you know, some of these things. Taking a step back. So I mentioned in the 1980s, there was so much uh, pop culture surrounding aliens and, and UFOs. Uh, what era did you grow up in? What was the sort of, uh, I guess, understanding about uh, UFO phenomenon at that time? Well, I got interested in UFOs about 1957 when I read a book that had been written by a guy who'd headed Project Blue Book in the early 1950s. It was kind of a memoir. And the book was really smart and objective, and it really made an impression on me. I was vaguely aware of flying saucers and UFOs before I read it. But the book was so interesting, it it didn't insult my intelligence such as it was when I was an adolescent. But it made me want to read more. Now, around that time, which was the mid to late 50s, there were all kinds of books on UFOs around. And some of them were really crazy. These were books by people who claimed they'd met Venusians and flown into outer space. And uh, or they channeled messages from extra-dimensional intelligences. If I had read any one of those books, that would have stopped my interest in its tracks. Mm-hmm. Even then, I would have thought, this is really silly. There's nothing to it. <laughs> right. But I read one of the very few good books available, and that kind of set the course of my life for good or bad or indifferent. Right. And is that the was that the book by uh, Dr. Heineck? No, this is a book called The Report on Unidentified Flying Objects by Edward Ruppelt. And Captain Ruppelt had headed Blue Book between 1951 and 1953-54. And um, Blue Book had a well-deserved reputation for doing lousy investigations oriented toward debunking sightings, no matter what the sighting was, you were to find a way to disprove it. But Ruppelt really did, although he was personally skeptical, really did try to do an objective investigation. And uh, his book is about his experience with um, cases he was able to discredit and also cases he was unable to explain. So it's a good book for for his time, and it told a lot about what was going on within the Air Force project that wasn't generally known. Right. And it strikes me as, uh, I guess, curious that, you know, you said that this was your first exposure to UFOs, but uh, just as a layperson, you know, and again, thinking about so much of pop culture from the 80s, in my recollection, you know, and this is a green recollection or unresearched, the 1950s was filled with the kind of science fiction that had visitors from other planets and, and UFOs and was that something that you weren't, uh, I guess, maybe that wasn't something that was part of your entertainment, that you weren't seeing these types of films? Or My, my, my early years were pretty sheltered, and I lived in a tiny little town in the Midwest. And uh, I just, and I was, I read books and I was interested in things, but my parents were afraid that if I went to science fiction or monster movies, I'd have nightmares. Mm-hmm. Right. And this was not a completely baseless assumption because I'd had weeks full of nightmares after just seeing a preview of the science fiction movie. But anyway, eventually they relented. And yes, I saw some of the early science fiction films with, that featured aliens and flying saucers. Yeah. And so I was aware of them, but I, I wasn't really connecting them with flying saucers in any sense that this was something that could be real. It wasn't until I read Ruppel's book that I began to realize there might be some reality to this. Yeah. You say about uh, getting nightmares from movies. I remember getting nightmares after seeing the trailer for Stanley Kubrick's The Shining. So I understand what you mean. <laughs> and then yeah. and then I saw Close Encounters of the Third Kind when I was about six years old in the movie theater. I don't know what my parents were thinking. I suppose... It has somewhat of a happy ending, but if you're familiar with the film, a small child is essentially abducted by, you know, right. uh, visitors. And 
what even terrified me more, maybe, was that at the end, Richard Dreyfuss's character chooses to go on this alien ship. And I thought, wow, that's terrifying. Let's leave everything that you yeah, know. Yeah, Close Encounters of the Third Kind is actually like it has the message of the contactees, mm. the people who met friendly aliens and were taken to other worlds. And it has that message. It's not really a movie about what ufologists were interested in. Mm. It just uses some of the some of the imagery of, you know, flying lights and things like that and humanoids. But it's just sort of discordant if you spend your life studying this phenomenon. It doesn't really represent the phenomenon in any way but a kind of wish fantasy. Sure, sure. And and I guess just to be clear for our listeners, the distinction you're making is most of the UFO phenomenon, and you're drawing a distinction between UFO phenomenon and seeing UFOs because ufologists study UFO phenomenon that is, uh, guess, documenting, researching people's experiences with what they what they claim as far as having spotted unidentified flying objects and not necessarily seeking to prove whether UFOs exist or not. Is that right? Well, you think of it this way. Think of UFOs as one thing. These are, and by their nature, they're unidentified. To unexplained. You can document their sightings, you know, their presence, whatever physical evidence they leave behind. Flying saucers is something else. Flying saucers are known things. They're known phenomena. They're piloted by friendly aliens from other planets, and they're here to save us from destroying ourselves in an environmental catastrophe or a nuclear right. war, or something like that. Right. And Close Encounters is a flying saucer movie in that, by that definition. I see. Right, right. You know, I, I talked about how the 1950s, again, just sort of a layperson's recollection or some initial research, was filled with, filled with a lot of science fiction films that had these types of, you know, film, science fiction films. But it seemed like, and maybe it's just the nature of the film business, but the, the, the 1980s had even more uh, beginning in the 1970s, you know, that's when Close Encounters was. We had some other films there. And the 1980s was filled with tons of uh, movies, TV shows, etc. Just doing some initial documenting, it came, easily came across about two dozen. Uh, it, it was curious to me that most of them overwhelmingly dealt with the subject of someone visiting from another planet. Uh, and about half and half, the visitor was uh, benevolent and half was malevolent. So that was kind of curious to me. But I do I do uh, note that in the at least in the intro of the the, the volume one of your 1980s uh, UFOs in the 1980s, you note that there's two things that uh, in the 80s sort of uh, you know uh, things that sort of I guess coming to light more. One was the abduction phenomenon, and one was learning more things about I believe New Mexico and and what happened maybe there, right? The Roswell incident, right? Yeah, well, that was the really the big story in the 1980s, and both of them have receded considerably since. But in the 1980s, there was this, people were reporting being taken into UFOs, not for friendly purposes, but the beings were either, you know, just simply cold and indifferent and not friendly. And, and um, but nonetheless, these incidents appeared to be cases in which people got close up to actual extraterrestrials and watched how they operated inside a spacecraft. That's what the abduction phenomenon appeared to be. And the, the belief was that if this is really what's happening, we can figure out what UFOs are, what they're doing, we can solve this thing. The other side of this was the emergence of the Roswell incident and just and other narratives of crashed UFOs. And these stories which before had not been much believed within ufology, suddenly came to the fore and seemed credible. And people start coming out and said, yes, back in 1947, I was in New Mexico at the base, at the Air Force Base at Roswell, and we learned that a saucer had crashed out in the, about 70 miles away, and we were part of the recovery operation. And you get all these stories, and they seem credible. Mm-hmm. And uh, at the, so they got everybody excited because you're dealing, you spend all this time, all these years, dealing with this phenomenon that was certainly suggestive 
certainly enigmatic, but just impossible to prove conclusively, and also impossible, even assuming its reality, to learn very much about. And these abduction stories and these crash stories seem to answer those frustrations, that here's how you can crack the case. Prove that a UFO crashed in near Roswell, New Mexico in July 1947, and you've got the proof. Or, or you know, collect a bunch of testimonies from apparently sane and sincere people who say they've been taken to UFOs and collate their testimony, investigate their claims, compare the, the stories that they tell, and you're going to just be able to you know, leap over all the problems of UFO study and answer the fundamental questions. And so everybody got excited about that, and everyone was destined to be disappointed. Oh. <laughs> so when you're talking about folks coming forward with regard to Roswell in particular, are these people coming forward in the 1980s, so 40 years later with these claims? It was in the... Uh, about the late 1970s, okay. when purely by accident, a, a UFO investigator heard of some retired Air Force officer who said that he had been involved in the original retrieval mm. of the Roswell object. There are, well, it wasn't just an object, it was a craft, an apparent spacecraft. Right. And, um, and he told the investigator, heard about it secondhand, looked up the guy, and, and that's where this whole thing began. And then as the investigation spiraled to get more and more people, mostly people who were connected with the military in the Southwest in 1947, telling these stories that up to a point seemed to confirm each other and are interlocking. But... To get there, you have to make a leap of faith that began to disintegrate in due course. I see. Yeah, and, and I guess, and just to be clear, ufologists like yourself don't take those leaps. There may be other folks that are in some other area, but a ufologist just like a scientist, or applies a scientific method just like any other scientist would. Is that right? Well, within ufology, and I'm talking about the smarter people, you know, that yeah. have some sense of <laughs> critical thinking and evidence gathering yes. and logic and so on. There was a real dis disagreement about it. And um, some people were believed that this, that this was credible and it is on one level. If you just read one of the Roswell books that were produced in the eighties uh, and nineties and early part of the 21st century, there's still Roswell books coming out mm. and you just read it. And, um, and it's by someone who's advocating the case for a crash saucer and maybe even little men bodies associated with it. Right. You know, it seems like, wow, that's a fantastic story, but all these people seem to be confirming each other. And so you read it and then you read some of the skeptical literature, which itself wasn't that good. They left questions begging, but it was, it was a big complicated thing. And it was, it took a while to unwind. First of all, they discovered that some of the principal witnesses were hoaxers. Mm. And they also discovered that, not and confoundingly, some of them just, some of the witnesses seemed to be completely sincere and they would, they would, and their family members would tell them, tell the investigators, oh, he's been talking about this for years and years and years but he's just afraid to tell it outside the family. So eventually what you get is a picture that something happened, right. something that we don't really, whose nature we don't know even today. Right. But for various reasons, we have no reason to believe it was an extraterrestrial spacecraft with little men in it. Mm. The only evidence for that is, is this body of, puzzling testimony that just doesn't go anywhere. Mm. You know, we keep hearing that maybe some uh, new documentation will be unsealed. Uh, is there any, I don't know, is there any, among in the ufology community, is there any hope that maybe there's still more to learn about Roswell? Or is Yeah, I think there is more to learn about Roswell since we don't really know what it's about. Yeah. It, it, whatever it was, it happened. Something happened. Something came down. 
it freaked out the military authorities to the extent that they went around threatening civilian witnesses and swearing the military personnel to secrecy. And I think that in that information vacuum, and and human nature abhors an explanatory vacuum. So people begin to fill in this black hole with speculation. Mm. And some people perhaps even begin to believe over time, they begin mm. to believe that they were there and they saw stuff right. that in fact they only heard about right. rumor. And um, so we we don't know what happened at, at Roswell. It apparently involved something in, concerning national security in a very sensitive way. But what it was, we don't know. And the secret is kept somewhere, mm. way, buried deep. And maybe one day it'll come out, but I, I, I'm not holding my breath. Yeah. <laughs> but the problem is that when one of the leading pro-Roswell investigators, a guy named Kevin Randall, began working out a timeline on Roswell. And he had been a major advocate for years. He's a very smart guy and a good investigator. But he discovered that certain elements of the story came along only literally decades later. There's no contemporary record, for example, that little humanoid beings were found with, with this wreckage. That is a story that no one in 1947 was talking about. That mm-hmm. didn't enter the story until the late 1970s. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And so, like any good folktale, information and details get added over time. Right. Hmm. I wonder now if, uh, you know, the sort of collective memory, quote unquote, could have been influenced by the pop culture that was developing at the time, you know, specifically, as you know, Close Encounters came out in 77. Since you're saying this, you know, the the, the alien uh, pilots of the Roswell aircraft, that story started emerging more towards the end of the 70s that, you know, it isn't this sort of cycle that sort of... uh, you know, the pop culture influenced reality, the memories of these folks or you know, these stories, and then those stories influenced the pop culture? Well, yes and no. Yeah. Um, th- there was a long history of the modern UFO era, which begins in June 1947 and continues. But but after, even on the day of the first sighting, the Kenneth Arnold sighting on June 24th, that really started the whole UFO era, that same day, not very far away from where, you know, maybe a couple hundred miles from where Arnold had his sighting, which was of nine disc-shaped objects flying over Mount Rainier. But another guy, apparently a completely sincere guy, was reporting that he had seen a UFO land, and they didn't even have language like UFO or flying saucer. In June 1947, but he had seen the UFO land. He'd seen a little man connected with it, come out of the ship. Mm. And ever since then, there have been thousands and thousands and thousands of these things, which are called close encounters of third kind. So the movie was based, the movie which was based on Alan Hynek's a chapter of Alan Hynek's 1972 book, The UFO Experience. That. The type, Alan Heineck invented the phrase close encounters of the third kind to describe sightings of little alien beings associated with UFOs. Right. So the movie was really reflecting the phenomenon I see. more yeah. than vice versa. Yeah. You know, you remind me that uh, I had read that he was a consultant on the film and even has a cameo towards the end of the movie he's in there. Yes. Yeah, I knew Alan pretty well. Oh, is that right? Wow. Yeah. Is there anything to account for the... You know, obviously you mentioned folks were spotting uh, men piloting these craft back in as early as the 1940s. Is there anything to account for the the fact that it seemed like so many more, or there was a resurgence of these abduction tales in the 1980s, other than maybe we got more visitors at the time? Well, that was a subject of much discussion within ufology. You know, had there always been an abduction phenomenon that we didn't know about, but we weren't looking for it? Or did there get really objectively come to be more of them and more and more visible? And that was really never answered. I don't think it's answerable. 
The abduction phenomenon, it's best to rethink of it as an experience phenomenon. Mm. You know, it's, 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 an ex- it's extraordinary. It's very difficult to explain, but it's experience phenomenon, and it doesn't seem to be an event phenomenon. An event phenomenon leaves a mark in the world. An experience phenomenon leaves a mark in your perception and your memory but nowhere else. Right. That doesn't make it any less enigmatic, but it makes you question what it is, what it seems to be, which was a physical encounter with extraterrestrials. Right. So, so it could very well be as simple as in the 1980s, some people came forward, which grave maybe reminded folks of their own experiences or gave people greater encouragement to come forward. I mean, there's really no way to account. I guess you said it was debated in the ufology community, but there was no conclusions, obviously, drawn as to why. No, it was it was just something that was big in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, and then kind of faded, you know, to the sidelines, and there isn't much thought about or discussed anymore. What do you think about um, the abductions and their link to military genetic experimentation? Yeah, I don't believe that. that you know, there are... There are all kinds of conspiracy theories that grow around yeah. <laughs> anything that is immediately explainable. And I've heard that story going around for years and years and years, and uh, there's just no evidence of it. Right. You know, it, And if it were true, it wouldn't be just a UFO story. It would be a story about some nefarious thing some government agency is doing to us, and it would be on the front pages of the Washington Post and the New York Times who send their best reporters on the, on the story. Right. There's just never been any evidence that it's true. Yeah. yeah. It seems like in this day and age, especially it, like you're thinking about Roswell, like, is there anything left to learn? It seems in this day and age, it would be hard to keep a secret. You know, there's so many ways of getting information out there and, and anonymously even so, uh, incredibly, like you're saying, speaking with a reporter from the New York Times, for example, um, I guess hearkening back to how we started this conversation with uh, you, you being uh, not seeing that many science fiction films as a child for fear they might keep you up at night. Are there any stories that you've heard or researched that are so enigmatic or credible that they keep you up at night? No, I mean that I've, I've you know talked with people and investigated some cases that were certainly interesting yep. and were peculiar, but uh, I don't remember anything that that scared the hell out of me. I, you know, the thing of it is, as I say, at a, at a certain point, if you're, I think, really paying attention and thinking carefully, that you begin to understand that, that although this stuff is very strange and really difficult even to talk about it because we don't really have a language for these kinds of things. Yeah. But human beings have always had strange experiences. You know, if you study, for example, the uh, literature on fairy traditions, right. some of these stories are very strange. I've talked with people who've seen hmm. what in other cultural contexts would be called fairies. That with, that word doesn't exist for us. If you have an experience that in the west of Ireland in the early 19th century would have been called an encounter with a fairy, but people do have these experiences. They do have things that are really strange. They see little men, you know, and um, not associated with UFOs, but just in strange context. These are real experiences, but whether they're more than experiences, we don't know. Right, right. There's no reason to believe they're actually event phenomena that are occurring in consensus reality. Right. You mentioned in your book how, you know, there was a period of time, and, and I imagine it still persists somewhat to this day, where uh, ufologists were thought of, uh, in that study, ufology was thought of more of a, a fringe uh, area of science, if even trusted to be a science at all. Uh, and in part because of, you know, the sort of, like you said, the different levels of folks that get in, that claim to be ufologists. Um, how is it today? Is it is it regarded as a more uh, credible area of study? It certainly seems like in connection with the government releasing these, you know, Navy videos, Air Force videos, uh, that it's an area to be considered seriously? Well, there certainly has been some, you know, marginal improvement. And you can have today, unlike any other time in the history of the UFO controversy, 
you can have publish articles in the New York Times that treat UFO data, if it's good data, as something real and puzzling and worthy of a serious person's consideration and may even be genuinely reflective of national security concerns. Yes, you can do that, but it's a kind of marginal process. I mean, there's still plenty of ridicule. Scientists are are discouraged by their colleagues from pursuing UFO study. Those things go on. It's just something that I think it was the great physicist Max Planck who said that science progresses one funeral at a time. Right. And I think that the resistance UFOs precedes one funeral at a time. Right. So, and hearing, of course, you know, reading in your encyclopedia and hearing you talking to you now, certainly there's no reason to suspect you're anything else other than a, a credible ufologist and, and a serious uh, gentleman. So I ask, I'll ask you this, and maybe, again, as an objective observer of this phenomenon, a researcher, you don't have an opinion, but I recall just shortly before his passing... Oh, I have plenty of opinions. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Well, I, I, I'm just trying to be objective here. Yes. Well, well, you don't have to. Well, yes, that's right. We're an objective show, too. I forgot about that. I was thinking how Stephen Hawking, right before he passed, he, you know, if you, maybe within a few years, he made the comment that if we get visitors from another planet, they, they'd only be here to colonize us, as in, you know, history has taught us that one more powerful uh, group of people or, or beings, technologically speaking, just as, you know, looking to, you know, glean the resources from, from another um, do you have any feeling as to whether, you know, we're going to get a more friendly E.T. or someone more like uh, aliens in the show V in the 1980s that's just going to come and harvest us as food? Well, first of all, this is all speculative. We don't know for a fact that sure. UFOs are extraterrestrial vehicles. It's not oh, an unreasonable hypothesis, right. but it certainly isn't proof. But um, I think that if if some UFO reports are actual event phenomena, and conceivably linked to extraterrestrial visitation. It's pretty much their game. They can make the decision <laughs> because just yes. to get here, they'd have to have you know, an extraordinary technology far mm. beyond ours. Yes. And I don't know that, that, that they're extraterrestrials. They appear to be extraterrestrials. But mm. with this phenomenon and, and so many other anomalous phenomena, appearances are almost always deceiving. Hmm. And that you can't really count on anything. I see. Hmm. So, okay. And I guess that leaves open the possibility, a number, you know, innumerable explanations for these phenomena that, and we just wouldn't necessarily know. <laughs> That's... It's possible that we can't even conceive of an explanation. You know, hmm. we can conceive of wrong explanations based upon our own limited perspective on the universe but little of it we can see and understand. Mm. So something comes in that is beyond even that little bit of stuff that we understand. Wow. And we don't have, you know, a knowledge base to explain all the things that are possible in a vast universe. You know, uh, you say that, I know there's some conspiracies that say some of our technology we have, like cell phones and, I don't know, microwaves or... It's, you know, it must be something we... Uh, called from some alien spaceship and no. like, <laughs> and that may not be true, but to your point about things that are unknowable, it does seem crazy to me like that. I'm talking to you at a vast distance right now using this electronic box. I have, you know, I don't know, receiving s- signals. I can't hear with my human ears, you know, that are transmitted. When we entered the internet age, yep. I had this really kind of disoriented feeling that I was suddenly been, Li- uh, that I was suddenly living science fiction. Mm. <laughs> right. Yes. You know, it just seems so inconceivable to me what I could do, you know, in my office yeah. in terms of access to information, communication, and all that yeah. stuff. And Yeah. And what will we be able to do tomorrow? I mean, it all seems yep. like science fiction. You're right. Well, yep. well, with that, Jerry, I will thank you for your time today. You're, it's been great. It's uh, wonderful to chat with you. Certainly plenty of information. You were able to answer all of our questions. I think you sold yourself short. <laughs> uh, we certainly uh, thank you for your, your time. Well, thank you for having me, and, and thank you for the good questions. I'm definitely not as scared as I was when I was a kid. You know, we talked earlier about being afraid as kids of being abducted, and maybe I was thinking Jerry might give me some greater comfort 
uh, you know, he's obviously a serious uh, scientist, so he just gave mm-hmm. us the facts. Um, but I, I guess, look, I think I'm at a position in my life now where I think, sure, there may be UFOs in the sense that there are, in fact, p- craft piloted by extraterrestrials. I don't really care anymore. You know, I, I kind of welcome our alien overlords, or certainly visitors, maybe not overlords, right. but visitors. Yeah, the older we get, the less we care about being abducted by aliens, because then you don't got to go work on Monday. <laughs> I still don't want to go off on a spaceship with them. All right, you know what? I do care. I don't want them to be evil. That would be bad. <laughs> Any evil, that would be bad. But I wouldn't be so freaked out if we had some friendly visitors. That would be fine. Yeah, I, you know, if I got abducted, I'd be like, yeah, Monday. <laughs> I could see that. <laughs> it's like I was saying earlier. <laughs> I could see, I just, you know, look, you're, it's just going to be a Bruce Campbell thing or a Johnny Lawrence, <laughs> something. So my opinions haven't changed any. I feel like we got some information about, you know, what was happening in the 80s that may have influenced the pop culture there, but I don't know that we proved anything. Do you know what we just did? No. We just proved beyond a shadow of a doubt oh, yeah. that if you were going to get abducted and alien probed, uh-huh. The best day ga- the best decade to do it in was the nineteen eighties. <laughs> oh, wait. <laughs> that means I missed my chance of getting probed. If you get it now, that's bad. Oh no. All right, well hey. We will talk to you next time on the Idiots. See ya.